Mike Rags and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. Time for the Blue Gold Report podcast and show. Of course, I'm Mike Rags with Todd Burlage coming in here in a second. You can hear the Blue Gold Report on ESPN Radio 1380 and 100.9 every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. But of course, you found us uh, via podcast. Make sure you rate, review, share us with all your friends. Every Friday, we break down everything in Notre Dame sports and tis the season for Notre Dame football. And of course, the big news coming down this week are the captains. Of course, uh, in my book, there can only be one captain, but in Notre Dame's book, there could be, well, upwards of seven. We'll talk about all their captains, and we'll actually uh, we'll break down uh, Ian Book and what his role is going to be uh, this year, how big a role it's going to be, and how much support he's actually going to need from the rest of this team on offense. And here to break down everything with us is our good buddy from Blue Gold Illustrated, one of their senior writers, senior in uh, you know in tenure there, not in in actual age. Uh, well, I, you know, I just had a birthday, Todd, so I shouldn't joke. I I, I jest, but we bring in Todd Burlidge. How you doing, Todd? Not bad. You're my captain, Rags. Ah, uh, I feel like you have six others, or no? Is it just me? <laughs> no, for this pretty, I do actually in terms of editors but for this show just you rags uh, all right i i just because i think i make fun of this all the time uh when i talk to some friends of mine that say they have like six or seven best friends um, my by rule you can't have six <laughs> or seven best friends just by grammar alone you can't but i guess we can have more than one captain a co 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 captains uh but before we do anything else todd always likes to break down what we do uh blue gold nuggets todd what do you got for us got a four pack rags three foots and a hoops Cole Komet, we'll start with him, the star tight end for Notre Dame. We all know that he broke his collarbone while the surgery has been completed. Six screws and a plate uh, is what ended up going in there. Original projections, Rag, so this is a tick troubling here. They were saying three to six weeks for his return, which certainly looked good to get him back for the Georgia game. Now that's been shifted to four to ten. Four to ten weeks. That's a wide range, I guess, is what jumped out at me. Uh, but four to ten weeks, for what it's worth, four weeks would get him back for the New Mexico game, which is second game of the year coming off a bye after the Louisville game. Ten weeks wouldn't get him back until November 2nd versus Virginia Tech, which means he would miss both the Georgia and the Michigan games. So hopefully it's on the shorter side, not the longer side. Now, if for what it's worth, though, at practice, Brock Wright, his backup, certainly looks the part. This dude has trimmed down about 14 pounds. He played at 260 last year. He's playing at 6'5", 246 this year. He looks really good, Rags. So I think Notre Dame is in good hands, even if Komet's injury extends longer than hoped. Moving on to a departure here, kind of a here-today-gone-tomorrow story here. Sophomore safety Derek Allen was with the team at Culver, did all the training camp work there during the five practices, came back to Notre Dame and said, I'm out of here. He's, and not only is he already out of here, Rags, he's already signed on with Georgia Tech. Um, he is a Georgia kid, so that didn't come as a huge surprise. Uh, Brian Kelly wished him his best, and, and it didn't seem to be any hard feelings. And I don't, I don't know, Derek Allen came in here as a four-star recruit, rated as the number 11 safety in the country, so he came in with big credentials, Rags. Um, but certainly he's behind these folks in the, on the depth chart, but at the same time, you know, Gilman's going to be gone, Jalen Elliott will be gone, so there's going to be some openings here but he didn't want to wait. And again, for what it's worth, Notre Dame plays Georgia Tech in 2020 and 2021, so there's a chance he could be reunited with his teammates there. Former legendary Irish coach Lou Holtz 
was here from 86 to 96. We all, I don't know if we all remember, but he did win a title here in 1988. You might have heard of him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, finished here, 100 wins, 32 losses, two ties. He actually popped, he was on campus, so Brian Kelly shot him a text and asked if he would uh, talk to the team on Wednesday before practice. So he came out and gave some encouraging words. I was kind of joking with somebody about it, though, Rags. Um, let's see, Holtz was in 96. None of these kids were even born in 96. So I wonder, you know, sure, they hear the legend, and obviously the school's built on tradition, but uh, you wonder how much uh, charge Lou Holtz can bring from a group of kids that never weren't even born when he coached here. And finally, a hoop note, uh, Demetrius Jackson signed this week with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, no terms of that deal were reported. Uh, played minimally last year with Philadelphia. He went kind of flipped back and forth rags in the G League. Uh, with Philadelphia, the big league team, 3.7 points, 6.5 minutes a game. Did kind of light up that G League. He played for a team called the Delaware Bluecoats. 19.4 uh, po- points, 7.4 assists, 4.5 rebounds. And also a little bit of Demetrius Jackson news. He donated a new basketball court to Marion High School, where he's from here nice. locally in Mishawaka, nice. which I thought was a nice gesture. Probably comes from the $5 million contract <laughs> he signed when he uh, was drafted with Boston with the 45 pick overall a few years back. And those are your Blue Gold Nuggets. It's too bad he doesn't play center because Boogie Cousins just went down with an ACL tear. And he'd have a roster spot all sewn up. Look at that. And you know what's interesting? He gets to play with LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully he, make, he can stick it with the big team. You yeah. know, I mean, he's been floating back and forth here. It's going to be a two-way contract rag, so he can't yeah. go back and forth here. It's, it's a one-year deal. And he's guaranteed the league minimum. That's the only details we can go financially on it. If I had to choose between him and Pat Connaughton and who would have a more successful NBA career, I would have never guessed Pat Connaughton. But right now, he's got the edge, you would say. Yeah, actually, Connaughton's yeah, putting together one of the better uh, pro pro careers that anybody's really seen since Troy Murphy as yeah, far as staying power and whatnot in production. Um, and by the way, last week I asked you about Golden Tate. That decision yeah. hadn't been made. It did come down this week. Uh, he is getting four games for taking that supplement, trying to you know have a baby and uh, that whole story. Whether it's a story or not, he did take it, and he took full responsibility of it. But he also said that he might press, you know, have a, a libel suit against the doctor uh, for making him lose four weeks' pay. Fair enough. And on a related note, did you see the story about the professional basketball player in Europe who was demanded to take a drug test, a random drug test? And when he did, and he went in and he took it for half a season because he tested pregnant? <laughs> Well, and, and the, the real thing, the weird thing is, too, and you want to believe the story because he actually self-reported himself, Golden Tate. He turned himself in because he had heard that this uh, oh, fertility drug that he took would probably likely come up in a test. So he actually turned himself in, but he still got four games. So Yeah, this one cat tried to use his girlfriend's uh, urine. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I kind of figured as much. You're in luck. Well, congratulations to him. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we wish him the best of luck. Uh, we're going to break down the captains here and uh, you know what they mean. Personally, I'd go uh, one offense, one defense. But before we do that, Todd is going to run down some basic observations from the last week here at camp. Yeah, the, 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 we do have a lot of access this year to some open practices. So I took the one in on Saturday. There are a lot of fun you know they're they're a little bit different where they mix in scrimmage time all through the practice it used to be you'd kind of build up to your scrimmage time at the late the 11s on 11s you know they'll go i don't know maybe five six five minute sessions and then boom they'll bust into 11 on 11s and so you get a good look here 
And the thing that continues to jump out at me, Rags, is this defensive line play. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious it was obviously advertised as probably the best unit on this team and certainly living up to that billing. All starts with uh Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara. These guys cannot be stopped at this point. You know, Aquara had quarter uh, sixty one quarterback pressures last year, which was fourth in the country, twenty one hurries, which was a school record. Eight sacks, but the thing he needs to work on this year, and we're kind of seeing it in camp here with these open practices, he needs to finish the job. And Brian Kelly actually very much challenged him with a video that was put together. He had 27 missed sacks last year. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Exactly. So it goes to show you what kind of disruptive player he can be. The reason I bring up the defensive line is because one thing, they have so much talent on the edges. I just mentioned Kareem and then obviously Aquara. But Dalen Hayes, he's another fifth-year guy. He would be starting anywhere else in the country. Unfortunately, he has to play behind these two guys. So in an effort to get all three of them on the field at the same time, what they're doing, Rags, is mixing in Hayes at defensive tackle on passing downs. Nice. And you talk about a disruptive pass oh rush. This is going to be really interesting to see. Uh, the other one that jumped out at me, and we talked about it last week, and we might be talking about it for many weeks to come, yeah, he built on his first practice, I would say. He's yeah. actually got some momentum there. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton uh, has two more picks since last we chatted, so he has five, and that's just in the time the media's had a chance to see him. Uh, five picks, had a couple crunching hits, too. They have to find a way to get him on the field. Now, right now he is working with the dime package, which is when you have six defensive sure. backs and certain passing downs, and that would go along with Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman, Troy Pride, uh, Tariq Bracey, Sean Crawford. And then Hamilton. So you're certainly going to see him in that package. I think you know you're, he's you know, probably sub in some, but it's going to be hard to get Elliott and Gilman off the field. A couple team captains we'll talk about here in a bit. But but at six foot four, two hundred ten pounds, this guy really looks the part. You would consider redshirting him, but I don't see why you should. A special teams ace, I'm quite sure, if nothing else. But again, five picks already, some great hits, and really making a name for himself. And Brian Kelly said, oh yeah, I did happen to notice him after Brian Kelly said he didn't realize he had three picks in the first practice. So <laughs> yeah. You buy that? I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah, so I mean, if he's on there. the other side yeah, of the field, true. exactly. You know, I, I kinda, he said, he said, in all honesty, I didn't realize that, because we caught up with him right after practice, so you know, he hadn't studied any film yet or anything. Alright, so let's uh, let's talk about these captains now. And A lot of dreams come true when you name this many captains and, and a lot of great stories. Perhaps maybe the best story of all is Chris Finke, who for me probably would have been the offensive captain and then I would just name somebody on defense, but it's fine. I, I, I'm off my soapbox and this is a tremendous story. A walk-on at a Kettering, Ohio, went to the same school as uh, Zaire and, mm-hmm. and look what ends up happening. He's a, And not only just a captain, but a major player on third downs for the offense. Yeah, and Nick Coleman as well. Actually, the the funny story I'll share a little bit later um, as we talk about the captains is the reason he even met Brian Kelly in the first place had to do with another uh, Notre Dame recruit. So you have eight captains, and Brian Kelly took a unique approach to introducing them. What he did is he went back to previous captains, had them put together a little video saying, hey, congratulations, way to go. So I did the pairings here. Um, Tyler Newsom, who is really good friends with Robert Hainsey, the offensive lineman, Hainsey, by the way, this is kind of interesting here. Nobody really thought about that there was any big deal, but Robert Hainsey, he's only the second offensive junior offensive lineman ever to be named captain at Notre Dame, and you have to go all the way back to 1943. A guy wow. by the name of Pat Philly 
Um, well, I was a big Pat Philly fan. Yeah, yeah sure. exactly. <laughs> um, now, you know, people say, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mike McGlinchey and, and um, Zach Martin. Yeah. But they were they were two-time captains, but it was their true senior and fifth-year senior years. Gotcha. So as far as a junior is concerned, um, from what I can gather, and that credit needs to go to Loose Emoji for some of that research there, um, Robert Hainsey, first junior captain since 1943, uh, as far as an offensive lineman is concerned. He was introduced by Tyler Newsom, obviously the punter from last year who was a captain. They're good buddies. Not surprisingly here, Manti Teo introduced Alohi Gilman as a captain, safety Alohi Gilman. Brady Quinn announced Ian Book, quarterback Ian Book, as a captain. No surprise there. Thought it was cool. Drew Tranquil, I guess he roomed with Jalen Elliott. Oh. So he introduced him uh, as a captain. I guess they were pretty close. Isaac Rochelle, uh, he introduced Julian Aquara. Sheldon Day, Khalid Kareem, and Austin Webster, who was a walk-on, turn scholarship, turn contributor, turn captain, introduced Chris Fink. Um, and Fink took a, the same route as Webster, walk-on, and then scholarship, and then starter, and now captain, and one hell of an important player for Notre Dame. And Brian Kelly kind of breaks down Fink's evolution here and it's pretty cool because uh, I, I like Brian Kelly's take on this and he, when he says Webby he's refers in, referring to Austin Webster who introduced Fink for what it's worth rags it's the third time in five years that Brian Kelly has a walk-on turned captain I mentioned Webster in 2017 Joe Schmidt was the other one in 2015 and here's Brian Kelly breaking down Chris Fink Pretty good story. You know, we showed a video this morning um, when I announced the captains. And before I announced them, I showed them the video, which was uh, um, former captains uh, announcing their captainship. And, you know, Webby was uh, uh, the one that uh, announced Chris Fink and, and certainly a walk-on to uh, scholarship to captain. And it was uh, it was a pretty good moment. And so... Um, that doesn't happen very often, and and Chris has done it even at a higher level than Webby did in terms of, you know, he's a guy that that had done it for two years and is an extremely productive player for us. So, um, you know, Chris had, you know, close to seventy percent of the votes. Um, I think in any election, that's a landslide. So, um, that's pretty. That's that tells you a lot about what his teammates thought of him. It, this isn't a token move. This guy is a contributing player. As a matter of fact, two-thirds of his catches last year, Rags, uh, went for first downs. So he's yeah. clutch, he's big time, and he's going to continue to do so this year for sure. And he'll be drafted by the Patriots next year. <laughs> exactly, and have, a, and have a long and robust career, <laughs> as a matter of fact. But the funny thing about Chris Fink is that it's an interesting story on how he even was landed on, on uh, Notre Dame's radar Brian Kelly was at Kettering High School, which is just outside of Dayton, and he was there basically to see Nick Coleman, a future Notre Dame football player. Just some FaceTime sure. um, and, and hallway time, that type of thing. And there's a legendary coach that I didn't bring his name, but he's then been there forever, has worked closely with Brian Kelly. So he felt comfortable enough to say, hey, there's this kid by the name of Chris Fink. You know what? Preferred walk-on type of guy, great punt returner, and Fink was lighting things up in a very highly competitive Catholic league. There, um, you know, a lot of good teams, sure. a lot of good players, and interestingly, Fink 
came back from an official footing just in time. Brian Kelly said, hey, would you be interested in maybe coming up to Notre Dame and playing some big big boy football? And Fink kind of, well, I, I, he was like, he, I guess he was like, I guess I kind of guess so. So he, he, he regrets his answer on that, but certainly all's worked out. I did have a chance just to ask him a couple quick questions uh, after practice on Wednesday, and here's what he had to say about it being named a captain. Walk on to scholarship to captain. How's it all feel? It feels great. It's a tremendous honor. You know, we've had a long line of really great leaders that have been captain for the Northern football team. And you know, if you'd have told me when I came in here as a walk-on freshman that I'd be a captain eventually, I don't know if I'd have believed you. So it's kind of a surreal moment. And um, it's a tremendous responsibility to to lead this team. we got a great group of guys. I'm really excited about it. That means a lot to me, knowing that so many of my teammates think that I'm cut out for the job, and it's it's a big job. So um, just knowing that I have their their faith and their trust means a lot to me, and um, it's a lot to live up to. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, interesting. Uh, when is Sean Astin playing in the, in the movie uh, Rudy Two or what? Right. Because it's called Central Casting because we might have another Notre Dame movie on our hands here. Yeah, for sure. And and it's again, but. Rudy never really did anything. (laughs) Meanwhile, Chris Fink is going to be an integral part and a very important part to this Notre Dame offense this year. Valid point. Well, you would not stay. You would not know it standing next to the kid. I will say that much. There's not much to him. Um, And he's going to be a major help to Ian Book. Let's talk about Ian Book. And what I, I found interesting when I was doing research for the show. I didn't realize, you know, and this goes towards Brian Kelly not really ever instilling confidence in quarterbacks, but he's never had a quarterback as a captain. Jimmy Clausen was the last captain at Notre Dame uh, as quarterback, and it just goes to show, you know, it's a little bit of a head-scratch, you know. It's not like they had all these outstanding talent on offense where you'd omit a quarterback, but it goes to show you how uneasy it's been at quarterback since Brian Kelly's been here. Kind of, sort of. Okay, seven captains is a record at Notre Dame. Uh, but what was it? What year was it, Rags? It was the Deshaun Kaiser year. Would that be 17? Sure. Let's see here. Um, 2017, indeed. BK named seven captains. One of them was Kaiser. So, But Kaiser went yeah. to the NFL instead. Yes. Okay. So, but, but, All right. But you know what? But you're right. I mean, your point's well made. He still has never had a quarterback captain. And it just, it sort of goes to exactly what you're saying. And it's also emphasized by just that instability. We This is the first year I think Brian Kelly has gone into when he has had no doubt who his starter was going to be. And I, and I think that plays a big part of it. Ian Book did a great job. They had eight SWAT team captains, actually. Seven of the—I feel kind of bad, actually— um, seven of those—and Ian Book was one of them— seven of the eight SWAT team captains were actually named— Regular season team captains. Lee and I, Lee Meikenberg was the lone well, guy that didn't make the cut. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for. And meanwhile, a junior offensive lineman uh, gets it over. Yeah, him, so, yeah. Know, it goes to show you. Um, anyway, <laughs> don't get me started. We'll be here till well for an hour. But uh, now Ian's struggling a little bit. I mean, he's throwing a lot of picks right in mm-hmm. camp, and uh, so this is a bit of a. Uh, I want to say concern, but let's see some some progression here. It would be nice. Yeah, I, I don't, but I almost think it's by design, Rags. And I brought it up again. I know we talked about Ian Book last week, and I mentioned that during the show that I wanted to get a chance to catch up with Brian Kelly and ask him mm-hmm. about that task that the coaches put towards him, Chuck Long and Brian Kelly, about being more aggressive, threading some needles, throwing it downfield. Come on, let's go. The stink and dunk stuff is all fine and dandy, and your completion percentage looks great. But we're going to have to have some big playability here, too. And I think that's what's factored in. Now, 
So I'm not too concerned about the picks. There have been a lot of them. Now, some are tips like anything else, as you'd expect. But some have been poor throws. 75-yard, two-plays drives are great, but they score the same as 10-play, 80-yard drives. So I get all that. But I think Ian Book is smart enough to where he is, and he even said it himself, I'm sort of testing my limits is what he said, Rags. I'm not... I'm not really going to force things. I'm just, I kind of need to see what I can do. Some of his deep balls have fluttered a little bit. Again, I mentioned the picks. But again, I think Ian Book's a smart enough quarterback to know where to kind of pull the reins back. And Brian Kelly actually broke down kind of after my question about, you know, hey, are you still kind of pushing him to throw it downfield and take these chances? Where's all that stand, Brian? Ian's personality is not one where, you know, I don't know he's going to get many speeding tickets. I mean, he, he's, he doesn't live on the edge. Um, but, I, I mean, I think, you know, he certainly is a lot more confident in, in, in pushing the ball down the field. And, and we knew that that's something that we had to be better at. So he worked hard on that in the spring. Uh, we continue to uh, have that as part of our offense. So I, I think it's, it's twofold. It's one, um, having players that can aggressively push the ball down the field uh, on the perimeter, and I think we have those guys this year. And secondly, uh, you know, him actually feeling comfortable doing it. So I, I think we're better there in both, both realms. But, you know, he's not a guy that's just going to be feeding it in through, you know, traffic. It's just not his – he's going to check it down. He's, he's a smart kid. Uh, he's going to make the right plays and make choices. But um, – so I'd, I'd say yes in a sense that you're going to see the ball pushed down the field because I think our skill set's there and I think he's, he's a year further developed because of it. All right, well, better to do it now than mm-hmm. in games. Sure. So let's work these kinks out right now. And I don't even know if I'd call them kinks, Rags, to be honest with true. you. Uh, yeah, let's let's see what he can do. But Because we talked about it last year. The dinks and dunks are nice. But when you're playing with the big boys, which they did, mm-hmm. when you fall behind, which they did, what happens when the lights come on and they didn't? And that that's the bottom line. And that's what he's got to go from great to greater. And I think you flip sides of the coin there. Obviously, you're talking about Clemson. Mm-hmm. And look at the big plays Clemson hit. While Notre Dame's dinking and dunking, Clemson's thrown over the top. So I, I think from both sides of the coin, that one game showcased each. All right, so they've got practices here on campus for the next couple of weeks. And I like the schedule I saw on Notre Dame, their, their website. Um, it's practices through August 31st and then September 1st, the ass kicking of Michigan Wolverines. So they're already, you know, prime for the, <laughs> um, which could be their biggest game of the year, them in Georgia. So, uh, they're on campus and the media is, is, you know, there to watch, which yeah, is, well, which sat- is pretty nice. Saturday, uh, today is an open practice. So I'll be out there for the whole thing. We'll get a chance to catch up with some more players and Brian Kelly and gather, gather some more audio and be ready to go next week, Rags. All right. Well, uh, Todd, I appreciate uh, uh, all your uh, your insight because it's quite good. Really? Thanks, well, Captain. My Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain. We will uh, do this all over again next week. Don't forget, uh, we will uh, follow us. For, for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flustered here because I don't want the show to end. Um, follow us, rate, review us, and, and, and tell us everything that uh, you love about the show. And I said Michigan. I meant Louisville, by the yeah, way. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, you uh, threw me off there a little I'm, bit, I'm too. Sorry about that. Well, we're going to kick their ass and then Michigan's ass later on. Yeah, exactly. We'll we'll do both. I just...
Got my well, it should start well. I mean, uh, Louisville on Labor Day, which is rare to actually play a Monday night football game there. And then the bye, and then New Mexico, and then really that's when the fun starts. Even weirder is Purdue playing on a Friday night, which they open up on, which is a head-scratcher to me. But I guess the exclusivity to high school yeah. is gone now. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that more and more you're seeing it. I mean, the, the MAC. They play on what is it Wednesdays or Tuesdays? It Tuesdays. It's Tuesdays. Yeah, so it's and it's always late games. So it's always West Coast uh, stuff with the uh, Friday night. So at least they respect the fact that people got to get home to watch these games from the high school games. Yeah. But still, um, much like the NFL, let's get as many nights as we can. I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Soon it'll be seven days a week. Rags, it's uh, getting there. All right, uh, Todd. Uh, thanks for watching. It's at Todd Burlage. It's at Rags ninety two three. We'll do this next week. All right. Thanks, my friend. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.